All right, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? You doing all right? It sounds like you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's like a hen house in here. It's just a whole lot of cackling going on. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. So we've got a great day planned, our homecoming. So everybody that is here visiting with us, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you chose Wellman Baptist Church as your place of worship this morning. Uh, and we are. We're seeking the Lord's will. We're seeking the Lord's uh, face this morning in worship. We're asking for Him to, to bless us with our gathering today as we uh, gather in His name. Uh, we've got a wonderful day planned. Brother Robbie Britt is here this morning. Uh, he's come. He's going to be sharing with us in music and also in the Word. So we praise the Lord for him and his family, Tammy, and uh, his, his son, Josh. Yeah, I was, it was almost, I was getting there. I appreciate it. Brother Billy, Miss Freddie, it's good to have y'all here this morning. Uh, I'm glad that y'all came to, to, to support Robbie uh, and add a little more pressure to him because, uh, you know, it, it's, every little bit helps, I promise. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. First of all, let me, let me say this. We're going to have a meal after the service this morning. Everybody's invited. Please stay. I know the ladies have been cooking, and there's a lot of good stuff over there, so everybody uh, stay with us, and let's fellowship to, with one another. We've got the food set up in the fellowship hall, and we've got the dining area in the gym, so we've got the table set up in there. We'll go in, we'll, we'll grab a plate of food, and we'll go into the gym, sit down, and fellowship some more. We're going to be here all afternoon, so take your time, have a good time with one another, uh, and that's the whole point of, of, uh, of homecoming, is coming together, worshiping the Lord, and then enjoying fellowship with one another afterwards. So thank you. You are invited. Thank you for coming, but you are invited to stay with us and have a meal. Uh, we will not have services this evening, so we can stay as long as we want to this afternoon, and everybody's welcome. All right, let me see if I remember uh, everything that I was going to say this morning. Um, I think that's about it because the main thing is, has got to stay the main thing, and, and food afterwards, that's usually the main thing in Baptist life. All right, uh, so this morning... Uh, we're going to begin with the word of prayer, and then I'm going to turn Brother Robbie loose on you. We'll have a welcome time uh, as we get, begin singing. So let's open up with a word of prayer, asking the Lord to prepare us for worship. God Almighty, as we bow before you, you are so amazing and wonderful in all your ways. And Father, I thank you and praise you for bringing us together this morning as the body of Christ, as, a, as uh, your children we seek you, Father, this morning. We ask for your blessings, but Father, we pray for your forgiveness as you overlook our rebellion and rejection of you. But Father, we seek this morning to be uh, reconnected. We, we come back and asking, Father, not only for your forgiveness, but Father, for your blessing as we join together. Father, we want to be pleasing in your sight through our obedience and our love and worship. So, Father, as we seek that this morning, we ask for your blessing there. Be with Brother Robbie. Father, I, I, I love him, and Father, I know that he's got your word for us today. And as he leads us in worship, Father, uh, Father, help it to tune our hearts to you so that when the word comes, it will change us. It will make us more pleasing in your sight. And and seeking to be more obedient in following you. God, we're expecting great things today because you're a great God. We ask now for you to be with us and lead us in the ways that we are to go. 
I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Robert. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you today. Brother Jeff called me six weeks or so ago, wasn't it? Asked me to come do, back to do homecoming, and we got down to the details and stuff. And when we got down to the details, come to find out I'm doing everything. So as I drove up, I looked, and there was a tackle box and a rod and reel sitting on his front porch. So I don't know if he's going to leave out after the first hymn or not. So it's good to be with you. My name is Robbie Britt. Most of you probably know my dad, Billy Britt. Uh, I left here in 1989. This is the first time I've come back into this sanctuary since then. We did the math today. Jeff's better at it than I am. 33 years since I've been in here. Last time I came in here, there were old lights and green and gold shag carpet. And, oh, man, it, it, it was something. So y'all have done a great job with this place. But I started having them flashbacks, Jeff. I walked over, and y'all still got the same pulpit, you know. This is where I sang my first special. And I'm going to tell you a few things right quick and stuff. We had a youth Sunday. Now, our youth never left the church, okay? I was a freshman in college, but I was still a part of what they considered the youth. And so they nominated, I was not in the meeting, but they nominated three of us to get up and give our testimonies. And I'm like, I ain't getting up there in front of those people. No, I ain't doing it. It was youth Sunday. We're going to pack the choir out, and three of us are going to get up. My sister was going to get up, another young lady, and myself. And I think Richard Baker, some of you, we called him Bake back then. And we're going to get up and speak. I said, I ain't doing it. And they're like, yeah, now they want you to do it. I said, I ain't doing it. And so finally, now, those of you who went to Enterprise and know my dad, my dad was a principal 24-7. He didn't know how to cut it off. You know, there was a paddle at the office and there was one at the house. I don't know which one he used the most. I know which one I felt the most, though. Was at the house. But finally, my dad looks at me. He said, boy, you're going to do it. You're going to get with the program. You're going to get up there now. They nominated you to do it. You're a leader in that youth. You're going to do it. And I just kind of looked down. I looked up, and I said, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> and he said, well, you're going to do it, or you're grounded. And, y'all, it was so bad. I was willing to take the grounding until he was going to take basketball and softball and everything away from me. And my mama used a little psychology. She came up to me. She said, Rob, why don't you sing? I said, Mama, that's even worse than talking. She said, no, you got a good voice. I've heard you in the shower and stuff. Why don't you just get up there and sing? I said, Mama, I ain't going to get up there and sing. She said, well, go to Jackson. We'll find you a soundtrack. She said, I'll sing with you. I'll do the harmony, and that way you won't be by yourself. So finally, she talked me into doing it. And I did that old song, uh, Help Me, by Chris Christopherson. And it's down here, Lord, help me walk. And that's kind of what I sounded like back then a little bit. And folks, I got up there, and Mama was holding the back of my belt like this because my knees locked, and I was swaying as I sang that song. But I want to tell you something. That church body, they encouraged me. They came along, and, oh, you sound like Elvis, and, which was a compliment back then. And, and everybody just encouraged me, and it gave me the confidence to go up and do another one and to do another one and do another one. And the next thing you know, here I am in the ministry 30 years later, and I'm singing 
And it all started right here at good old Wellman Baptist Church. So I hope you enjoy what I put together today. But we're all going to be included in this first one. If you would, stand with me. Take your hymnals. Turn to 138. We're gonna, this is going to be our fellowship song. We'll do a first, uh, first verse and a last, but between fellowship. Years of spin in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pot There my burden so found liberty at Y'all shake a hand.
All right, guys, as you make your way back, we're going to pick up on the fourth verse here. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace it brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Repeat that course. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. One more time. Think about what you're singing, okay? In mercy there was great and grace was pardon there was and there my burden so found liberty at amen amen 335 335 standing on the promises you may be seated and if you're not singing loud enough I'm about to get you to stand back up so come on out with it Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises sing Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of whoop, 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 whoop. We ran off the track. We got a back wheel hanging on the track in the racetrack. Three are on there. Let's try it one more time. You ready? Snap it up, Wendell. Let's go. It's not you. It's everybody. So I'm in one track. Everybody else. I'm on speed 33 on no turntable. Everybody else is on 45. So ready? Let's go. There you go. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory and the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I am standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all and all. Standing on the promises of God, Standing, standing on the promises of standing, standing, I am standing on the promises of God. 
Amen. Turn 425 if you're using your hymnal. You guys know this stuff because ain't none of you looking in a book. Um, it's bad when I'm having a problem. I'm like, I know that song. So 425, he keeps me singing. This will be our offertory hymn. If you would, stand with me. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In our lives there's ebb and flow. Sing it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Soon he's coming back. Soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know. My longing keeps me singing as I go. Amen. If our men will please come forward for the offering. Uh, folks, we're going to take up two offerings this morning. We're, the first offering we're going to take up is our regular offering. And then after that, we're going to have to, men to, to go back through. We're going to receive an offering for our cemetery. So the first uh, offering would be for our tithes and offerings. And then the second one is for our cemetery. So let's bow together in prayer, please. Mr. David, would you bless our offering? While these gentlemen are taking up the offering, um, I'm going to do a few songs. Jeff and I talked about this, and um, uh, just kind of give you my testimony uh, very quickly as they're doing this. Uh, got saved in 1987 uh, on a Saturday night behind a pool hall. Going home, I'm one of the last ones to leave that night, and as I'm getting in my car, I heard God that inaudible voice but i knew it was my last time to be called i'd sit here under preacher and preacher and revival and revival if the doors were open we were here and uh but just never had never made jesus lord of my life and that night all i heard was robbie and i it, it, it's amazing god can say so few things and just you had to write a whole book amen and i loaded up in my car and i came home and i laid out across the bed I said, Lord, I'll go, I'll do, I'll say whatever you want. Just don't let me go to hell. And the next morning, Brother Robin Jumper was the pastor here. Next morning, I got up and got a shower, and I was wide awake and dressed. And I came, and I sat down right there on that second pew. Back then, all the youth sit down in the front. And I'm sitting on that second pew. And I can't tell you what he preached on that day. 
But all I can tell you is that when the invitation came, I got up and walked down. And I said, I got saved last night. And y'all, I had such a reputation outside the church that he grabbed me by the arm and drugged me to his office. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? And he slammed me down on the floor and he opened that Bible and he started going through that Roman road. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I want to make sure you got it right. And I did. And we confirmed everything. I quit kind of running around on the town and everything because I knew that was going to get me in trouble. And I was sitting at the house. It was about two or three weeks afterwards. And I started writing music. And that just evolved over the years. Now this song here, I'm not, uh, I didn't write it. Uh, I just re-recorded it. It's an old Rusty Goodman song. But basically it's all of us what we can say. Who in the world am I? What in the world did I do to deserve a, a loving Savior to call me to be saved and to serve him? Who am I? When I think of how he came so far from glory, came and dwelt among the lowly, such as I, to suffer shame and such disgrace. Well, on Mount Calvary, take my place. Then I asked myself the question, Who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he Pray, not my will, thine for. The answer I may never know is why he ever loved me so. And to an old rugged cross he'd go. For who am I? When I'm reminded of these words, I'll leave you never. Just be true and I'll give to you life forever. I wonder what I could have done to deserve God's only Son To fight my battles until they're won For who am I? Who am I that a king Would bleed and die for? Who am I that he Pray, not my will, thine for. The answer I may never know 
is why he ever loved me so and to an old rugged cross he'd go for who am i the answer i may never know is why he ever loved me so and to an old rugged cross he'd go for who am i thank you did y'all get both offerings okay good deal. now i want to do a song for you that i wrote i had just released my first project and i was invited to go down and do a, a a revival and everything at uh, Wilkinson County, down in Wilkinson County, Ebenezer Baptist Church. Ebenezer Baptist Church is the only church in existence in the state of Mississippi that still worships in its original building. The building was built in 1806. Y'all, it's cool. You need to ride down there. If you anything about history and antiques, you need to go down there. We preached all week, got those shiplap walls and ceiling and stuff. Friday night, we didn't have a microphone or anything. You could hear me as clear as you can hear now. Had these posts. I wondered about them all week. They had a lantern for me on Friday nights on each side. I could see just clear as a bell, and they had them hanging on the walls. Let the windows up, and we just had a hee-haw time back down in them woods, and it was awesome. But on Sunday, we had literally dinner on the ground. They don't have a fellowship hall. And I'm sitting out there on a headstone and stuff eating. I got through and I said, it's time to get out of this heat so we can get in here and sing. As I'm walking up to the church, I looked down in the road and there was a nail in the road. And I said, oh, Lord, somebody's going to get a flat. And I picked it up and I looked and it was one of them old square head nails. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I see the older folks are going here and the younger folks like a calf at a new gate. What's he talking about? Uh, anyway, there's the old handmade nails, you know, and it was jagged and rusty and I, I knew, I'm like, that's one of the original nails in this building, brother Jeff. So the guy that was with me, I said, man, can you imagine if this nail could talk the stories that it would tell? And we went on through Civil War and everything. You went through the cemetery out there. You saw this. And I said, can you imagine the revivals that it's heard, the preaching it's heard, the weddings it's witnessed, all these things, the baptisms and stuff? He said, man, that sounds like a song. I said, no, man, I just like history. I said, I'm just thinking out loud. Well, I took it and stuck it in my pocket. Went on through the service, and when I got home at night, I took everything out. And that's four cell phones, guys, for those of you that are wondering. You got people, hey, here's my number. Give me a call. Well, you just tear off something, write it down. So when I got home, I'd take all that out and put it on the chest drawer. Got to the end of the week, and I think it was on Thursday night. It was on Thursday. Survivor was on. Y'all know the show Survivor, okay? And that's back when it was really big. And we were all going to watch it. Well, my wife had it timed out, supper and everything. And so she told me, she said, before you get in here, said, go in there and clean that chest drawer up or I'm going to throw every bit of that stuff away. And I had a pile of papers, little notes and phone numbers. So I started going through it and I found that nail. And y'all, just like that, Spirit of God began to speak to me. I picked that nail up and thought about that conversation. And I got to thinking, well, if that nail could talk, what would it say? And then all of a sudden, in my mind and heart, I went back 2,000 years. And I went, oh, wow. And I reached over and grabbed a legal pad off the nightstand, and I sat down. I tell you this to say this. Folks say that God doesn't speak anymore. They just read his word and make the best of it and everything. But I'm going to here to tell you, we still have a God who speaks. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word. 
Why did the Apostle John choose that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word is spoken. The Word right there is logos. It means spoken expression. God still speaks, guys. And that still small voice, we just have to listen. You see, because this old boy don't have any formal training with music. Everything you're hearing today is just what God gave me, and I took it and gave it to him. And he says, okay, we'll use you. And that's the way it works. You know, my mama had it. And it goes back into family. God said, you know, I'm just going to kind of give them a little flair of able to sing music. I was telling Jeff Friday, I said, I don't get the big head about it. He can take it away tomorrow. If he wants to, that's fine. I, I don't have any formal training. I went to um, Southwest for one semester. I sang a song, and she said, you majoring in music? I said, no, I just kind of want to see what else I can improve. She said, well, honey, she said, your pitch is good, your tone is good. We just got to get that twang out of your voice. So that's what they worked on for a semester, getting that twang out of my voice. So, but other than that, I have nothing. I don't have any formalities in writing or anything. But I sat down that night, and in 52 minutes, now again, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you, this don't happen. The second song I'm going to do for you took 15 years to work. But this one took 52 minutes. It's reached number 18 in Australia. I see folks coming up all the time and say, I need to talk with you. So that song spoke to my heart. And that's my prayer today. I hope it speaks to your hearts because it's really not Robbie. It's just what God did through Robbie, okay? This song's called The Nail. If the nail at Calvary could have talked, what would it have said? I don't know why I was chosen that day. I was old and rusty and starting to decay. I heard someone say, Wow, this one's no good. And I certainly wouldn't put it in a new piece of wood. But a Roman soldier took a look at me and said, Ah, there. That's just what I need. So he picked me up and went on his way to Calvary's Hill I heard him say and when we got there he took me out and he put me in place and he started pounding me at a rapid rapid pace and I went deeper and deeper splitting skin and wood and I held in tight like I knew I should now I didn't understand why I was used this way I wasn't made to pierce man that way. I was made to hold wood and make it stand tall. Oh, I shouldn't be used like this at all. Now I heard the people as they started to shout, Save yourself! As his blood flowed out. What had he done that was so bad? And why were so few of these people sad oh I felt his muscles flinch with agony and pain this kind of suffering would make most men go insane but he hung there trying to endure knowing that death was coming for sure and hanging there with one last cry he lowered his head and there he died now they pulled me out and just threw me down. And I was soaked in his blood 
just lying on the ground. And those who loved him, well, they carried him away. And he placed his body in a borrowed grave. But I know something special happened that day. Because three days later, he arose from that grave. And they say he ascended and sits with God. But if truth be known, he is God. Oh, I'll never forget the part that I had to play when Jesus washed man's sins away. Now, friends, I tell you, this story is true. For I'm the nail that was placed there just for you. I held the hand of the Son of Man. I felt the throb from the heart of God. His blood flowed down from all around. Well, I held His arms and I made the scars. I am the nail. Yes, I held His arms and I made the scars. I am the nail. Thank you. Brother, if it's all right with you, it's, uh, it's 11.35. Most Baptists have a built-in clock. 12 o'clock, the year's going to shut down, and them stomach muscles are going to start working. How about we cut this next song and get into the Word? Is that okay? Did I get with you guys? I don't think they like that idea. <laughs> all I got was two head nods out there. So. We'll... Uh, we're going to have a little bit afterwards, so I'll, I'll come back then, if that's okay. All right, if you brought a Bible, and I hope you did, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. I'm going to have to switch microphones here. I'm not that coordinated. All right. Mark chapter 2, we're going to be looking at the first seven verses here. I'm not going to lie to you, this is my favorite passage. I told Jeff the other day I was coming from another book, and then the more I kept studying it, the more I like Mark chapter 2. And so I'm going to give you Mark chapter 2 today, and we're going to talk about the church. Now when I refer to church, I'm referring to you if you're a born-again child of God, and I'm referring to the institution, okay? So we're going to kind of sandwich this thing here. This is a two-fold message. How can the church be successful? And number two, how can you as a church believer be successful in your walk with God? How, what are the things that will happen that we need to do to bless our congregation, that church and the wellman, the institution of wellman, and what can we do as individuals, as the church body, to bless ourselves and be used and fruitful for God, okay? If you will, read with me starting in verse 1. It says, he, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. 
So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And in verse 8 it says, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus with themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Father God, give me liberty to expand on your word today with this sweet fellowship that is celebrating homecoming and all these years of being in ministry out here in this community, Lord. I pray your blessings on them, Father. I pray most of all that you're honored today with all that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been told several times that uh, guys who know me or run around or find out things I've gotten into, they say, Robbie, you the Forrest Gump of ministries. Because if it can happen to somebody, it's probably going to happen to me. It, it, it's just accident-prone, Rob. That's just it. I remember the first time I baptized, I'm so excited. I, I'm at my first church in Belzona, Mississippi, Gooden Lake Baptist Church, little old church right out in the middle of Cotton Field. On high attendance day, we had 45. Boy, and I loved it, man. I was so excited. All I knew was hell's hot and Jesus saves. Hell's hot and Jesus saves. And there was finally, after about three months of hell's hot and Jesus saves, one fellow said, I just give up. He came on down. He said, preacher, I just, he said, I got to come to church because my wife's going to, she ain't going to cook for me if I don't come. She said, but my goodness, he said, you pounding me every Sunday. That's what it took. God used that at that time. Thank God I grew a little bit and they finally, but that's a loving bunch of folks. But I'm going to baptize and I'm excited that I'm going to baptize this guy. And this sweet little lady in the church, she's a seamstress. And so she made me a baptismal robe. That's the first time I'd ever seen one, except on TV, on them big fancy churches. You know, we didn't do that here. Did you do that, Jeff? You got a baptism robe? Oh, you high class now, man. I seen them boys show up in their cut-off jeans with a button down on, and they would skip into the water rack quick so you couldn't see the jeans, because all you could see was some waist up. I thought that's the way you did it, you know. And she comes with this robe. I'm like, ooh, look at him, man. And I done got it timed out. All right, I got to get out. I got to go back there. I got to change right quick, get my suit on. We got to get out there and preach, because we did ours at the start. And they said, Preacher, we got you some waiters. I said, hot dog, I am in high cotton now, son. Look at this. So one of my deacons came back there, and I took my shoes off, and I got my suit and everything on, took the jacket off. He got them waiters on. Well, they bought them for the previous pastor, and he was a big bomongani. That joker, son, he he, he big, healthy boy, son. He loved his peas and cornbread, too. You could tell it. He had a chicken graveyard right there, that fence holding it in, son. He was proud of it. So here's Pee Wee Herman. I'm 30 years old, still riding a bike to go visit folk. So I think I'm like a 30 in the waist, 32 in the waist. I'm a runt. All of a sudden, I put them waiters on, and they start taking them up, taking them up, and they're still flaring out like this here. So we thought, let's get a belt and put it around right there. And then I got the lapel mic stuck down in there and got it on and stuff. And then they brought the robe in. I slipped that thing on. Boy, and it had that chain, Jeff, down in the bottom of the hem. So when you get in there, it don't float up and look like a mushroom, you know. I said, look at me, son. I, I'm a legit Southern Baptist preacher now. So I go walking down in that baptistry. And our baptistry was old. It ain't like this right here. It was probably a foot deeper than that. Now remember, I'm a runt, okay? 
I'm five foot six, and I'm a runt, and I get in there. I'm looking out over the window. It's, it's like right here. It's not down here. It's, it's like right here. And I'm so proud. I come walking in there. Well, we didn't think about something. Them waiters, because they're so big, they got a lot of air in them. And then you got that, 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 that robe hanging on. So as I'm going down through that step like this, you can hear. It's, I don't know if you're deflating something or someone. I don't know, but I'm like, you know, and you want to be reverent about things. You want to be, you want to come across as professional, okay? So I get in there. With the old boy that I'm baptizing, he's a pretty hefty fella. And we had coached him. I talked to him about it. I said, look, you step back, bend the knees. I said, I can handle 300 pounds like that. I said, if you'll do that. He goes, okay, I got you. Well, he panicked. That joker panicked, locked them knees, and he went like a pine timber. So just, boom. Now I'm panicked because all of a sudden the old homemade uh, baptistries made out of sheet metal, it decided it was going to fold out like that at the bottom, which made the water six inches deeper. I mean, it just flexed. Bloom. He goes down, bloom. It goes, bloom. I go, bloom. And guess what that water did? It just flooded. Flooded. So now they thought I broke wind coming in because I'm nervous, and now it's flooded. This boy, he's drowning down here, so I'm reaching down. It don't matter now. I'm soaked. I reached down and grabbed him. My ears all wet. Lapel mics, it's done quit because I done soaked it. I pulled him up, and he comes up, and he spits water all over me. All I did was look out the crowd and I said, Amen, Amen, let us pray. And as we're praying, I slip on out of there and I said, This thing is burnt. It is burnt. It's just old wit. I'm like, I can't even face these folks today. Of all the train wrecks at Baptistry, this is an ordinance by God. And, and we got in there and I preached that day and we had about four or five become. They said, I'd ain't never been so tickled. He said, But here's the thing that impressed them that I actually had the nerve to get up in the pulpit and preach that day. They were just floored about it. It's funny, the things that we want perfection about stuff, we want to, we got to do it just right. Jeff and I were talking about this earlier, our punctuality. I want to be 10 till. I don't want to be late for anything that drives me crazy. If I see my family gagging as I'm headed towards that door, I'm like, patience, patience, patience. They better be in that truck waiting on me. You understand? So we have our faults about it too. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. It's grace. It's God's grace that calls each and every one of us. And he's not looking for that perfection about things. We have crazy things going on in our churches today. We got churches out there that they got mega money, man, and they got a beam of lights running everywhere, and they got a 16-piece band up there, and they good. They really good. They got a studio out back that all this group comes in. They got everything synchronized. And what y'all don't know, if y'all ever see them guys, watch them on TV, and you'll see something in the ear. They got a hearing aid monitor in one ear. They got a beat keeper in the other. It's going click, 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 and it's telling them how fast to go with them songs. So they ain't as good as you thought they were already. No. They ain't got to have a drum. Me and Wendell didn't have to have a drum a while ago, did you? I don't know, Wendell, I saw him chewing on gum. Maybe he was keeping rhythm then. So. Anyway, here's the point what I'm telling you is, is that we've got programs. We've got all these things going on in the churches today. But the three basic things that we really overthink, we compare ourselves to other churches and say, well, it's working in that church. Well, that don't mean it's going to work in your church. We got, and don't get me wrong now, I love the praise bands. I love them. I rock out to them riding up down the road all the time. Please don't get me wrong. Here's the problem, though, is when we got all these things and they take the place of what really needs to be in the church. That's, that's what I'm getting you. If you guys, y'all may have a six-piece band you bring in here or whatever. And you may have a light show I don't know about. I'm not criticizing that. But if it takes the place of the real worship, 
then you're nothing more than a country club. Okay? The first thing I want you to see of the three pegs, if you will, of what we need in the church is, number one, we need the Word. We need the Word. We need it in the church. It needs to be the emphasis. It needs to be number one thing here. And look in verse 2. It says, immediately gather together. Now, Jesus, let me give you a picture right quick. Jesus is back in Capernaum. He's hanging out in Peter's house, okay? He doesn't have a place, so Peter's like, hey, come stay with me. And so he does. Word gets out that he's there, and all of a sudden, everybody's flocking to him because he's, he's a rock star at this time. He's been healing people, and it's gone through Galilee and Capernaum and everywhere. And people are saying, man, I'm going to bring Mama down there. I'm going to bring Daddy down. I'm going to bring my buddy down there. They need healing. And so in verse 2, it says, Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And look at what he does. It says, And he preached the word to them. If Jesus really wanted the folks to like him and love him and give to his ministry and stuff, he'd have started laying hands, boom, 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 or say it so. Get up, go home, man, you're good. Get up, go home. Get up, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. And Peter and the boys would have been out there with a little bucket or hat or something. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your giving. Come back, bring a friend. Bring a friend. We're going to have a special tonight service. He wasn't worried about those things. Jesus healed because it's just part of his nature. It wasn't his agenda to come here and do. We're missing out on this so much today because we're looking and saying, I want healing, I want it. By His stripes we are healed. We butcher that and take it out of context. The number one thing Jesus came to do, He says He came to preach the gospel. That was the number one thing, was to preach the gospel, nothing more. He had a chance to heal millions. And there was times He walked away. Look at what He says. He says He preached the word to them. All right, let me give you a little this Bible study here, okay? He preached the word. He preached the law gone. All right, and I quoted you John 1, 1 a while ago. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's logos, L-O-G-O-S. It means spoken expression. Logon means written word. So, well, we didn't got a New Testament. <laughs> it's 30 years before anything's written about Jesus, before Paul starts writing the epistles. So if it's the written word, what's he re uh, reading or preaching? The Old Testament. Jesus is bringing the Old Testament to life. If you read through the Gospels, how many times does Jesus go back and give you an illustration? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the end days. He speaks about Elijah. All these folks. He uses that Old Testament. Thing. Now here's my point. So we won't beat a dead horse. I want you to understand how important if Jesus, the Word, is preaching the Word, and we're reading in the Word about this, how important is the Word are to be in the church and in our lives? Now, it's homecoming. I want to keep it positive, but I'm just going to put this little, I'm going to dump you on the ear, okay? I won't kick your teeth in today. I love you. Guys, quit listening to Joel Osteen. Quit listening to all this crap on TV. It's nothing but heresy. If you can't find you a good preacher on TV outside of Brother Jeff here, when you're at home, laid up or whatever, quit. It's corrupting us. It's demonic. It's satanic at its heart and core. Your best life now, buddy, I'm telling you what, if this is your best life now, the old Joel Hosting book, you tell you where you're headed. This ought to be your worst life now because it's only going to get better one of these days. Amen. 
the Word. We need to be in the Word. We got too many people trying to give philosophy. I run into them all the time. I'm a chaplain with a hospice. I go in, folks are dying, and they're dying in their hardcore. Say, well, I believe this. I just don't believe God's going to send somebody to hell. Do you know Jesus? I don't have to know Jesus. I just don't believe He's going to send somebody to hell. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you are two months away from taking your last breath, and you want to go down arrogantly, you will go down, period. I don't have the liberty to tell them that. i got to love them, i got to bring comfort, but I ain't going to lie to them about it. And I hear these different philosophies all the time. We have got more philosophy than we do theology in our churches today. If it feels good, well, it's okay. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not a granddaddy. God is not a granddaddy. He is a loving, jealous, righteous God that's going to judge. He's going to judge you, you, me. He's going to judge the world. I don't want to. I don't want to stand in that judgment and have to answer for things. Because I know, even as a child of God, that I'm going to be stripped naked. You read 1 Corinthians 3 and see what he says. He says, we're going to be judged, guys. We don't preach on judgment anymore. We don't preach on hell anymore. I've seen the wildest of outlaws out there in my BC days, and there were things they wouldn't do. And they were like, listen, man, I may not be right with God, but I sure don't want to answer to God for that. Why? Because somewhere down the line, they stood under some preaching where they said it was judgment. We've got to get back to the Word. Because it's being distorted really bad today. Really bad. I got folks that I work with uh, in different communities and stuff, and they've got these philosophies. These new pastors are coming out today. They're more psychological than they are theological. They want to preach it. I heard a message one day. I went to evaluate a church, and I walked in. The pastor preached that they had a four-point outline on how to be popular at a picnic. I'm just back there saying, and when we walked out, I just shook his hand and left. I could not tell this boy a good message. All I did, just said, you got to find something positive, Brother Jeff. So I looked at him, I said, you're a good communicator. That's all I said. I, I had to find something. You're a lousy preacher, but you're a good communicator. It's pathetic. Listen, Jesus had a chance to heal all these people. He used one, but look at what he did. He says he preached the word to them. He preached that Old Testament. He brought it to life. Now let's move on to number two, because I know you're getting hungry. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. We're going to rest here for just a minute here. Number one, the Word of God needs to be in your life, needs to be in your church. If it's not, close the doors. Uh, Number two, the work that the Word tells us to do. I'm going to give you one word for work, okay? L-O-V-E. Love. Love prompts, motivates everything. I love my kids enough to tell them the truth. They may not like it sometimes, but I tell them the truth. Why? Because I want what's best for them. I love my kids to sacrifice for them. I love my folks that I'm willing to go the extra mile. Saints, will we do that? Look at what these four did. They came bringing this guy. They can't get in. So what do they do? They go around the side. They climb up on top of the house. It's got these tiles. They rip them up and they lower him down. They had to pay for that roof. And you have to understand the Jewish custom was to walk around stoic. To walk around, yes. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. You are not to get radically crazy. Aren't we doing that today? You say, well, no, we're not like that, Brother Rob. Oh, yes, we are. We got one face in the community and one at home. We got one face at the ball game. You know, them grandkids get to play and that referee calls something wrong. Oh, Lord, a demon from hell just come out of somebody. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, she's okay. She sings in the choir every Sunday. Oh, he, he's fine. He, 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 he's fine. He's, he's one of the deacons there. Oh, don't worry about him. He'll get over that. He, 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 he's the preacher. Oh, I've seen that, guys. I've seen a preacher get thrown out of a ball game before. Why? Because we're not walking according to the Word and loving and doing what the Word says for us to do. Helping our fellow man. Let me close it with this point right here before I get to the last thing. When you're doing the work, there are a lot of palsy men out there. A lot of palsy women out there. A lot of palsy young people out there. They're paralyzed by something. They're paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by drugs. They're paralyzed by abuse. They're paralyzed by neglect. They're paralyzed by low self-esteem. They're paralyzed by lack of vision for their life. And that's where we come in to help them say, have you tried Jesus? He'll give you purpose. He'll give you vision. He'll give you self-esteem. He'll give you these things. There's a lot of palsy people out there, and they're hurting. And we need to just be radically crazy about it. Just to go love them and say, hey, come with me. Here's the last thing I want you to see. Now, Jesus says to him, he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. The word sins, uh, right there is the word, uh, I mean, not sins, forgiven. The word forgiven right there is the word sezo. S-A-Z-O in the Greek. It means saved. It means saved or healed. And a lot of times in the gospel, when Jesus says your sins are forgiven or to be healed, he's saying be saved. They went together. There was healing with the salvation. Now what's my point in saying that right there? It's because a lot of people are coming in and supposedly getting saved and getting into baptistry and coming out and lasting three weeks and going back out and they're worse off than what they were. They didn't get saved. They had an emotional movement in the church. Emotional movement. They were not regenerated in the spirit. Now I want you to think about this very carefully, okay? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Think about it now. The good old Southern Baptist way is evangelize, evangelize, evangelize. Evangelize. Go share Jesus with them. Get them saved. Get them to say a prayer with you. And then you move on and say, God bless you, son. You say, I've had folks say, man, we had 15 saved last night. Oh, really? You going to start a small group study? Well, yeah, if they come. What do you mean if they come? Well, I, I don't know if they're going to come or not. Are they going to go somewhere else? Well, no, there's no other church around. Something's missing. You've got a prayer said. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, the old has passed away and all things have become new. Guess what? Robbie walked that aisle several times. Robbie came down and rededicated his life and rededicated his life and rededicated his life. Then all of a sudden in 87, Robbie said, you know what? He's calling, dedicate. Am I perfect? No. Have I blundered? Ask my wife and son how many times just today that I blundered. I'm not perfect, but I dedicated. And when I did, there was a change. And the greatest testimony I can give you is my brother's at a ball game and two boys come up to him. It's probably six months or better after I got saved. And they looked at my brother and they said, Man, Robbie's different. Robbie's changed. Now, what's going on with Rob? 
And my brother looked at him and said, he got saved. He got saved. Sazo means healing, means deliverance, means saved. When he said, your sins are forgiven, this man got saved. But notice the first priority was, he said, your sin, you are forgiven. He didn't heal him. He said, you're forgiven. He saw their faith. It impressed him. He said, you're forgiven. You're saved. And of course, you had the religious folks in there. And they come in and say, who in the world can do this? And Jesus wants to show them who he is. So he says to them in verse 11, he said, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. I'm going to show everybody I'm the King of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I have all authority. Jesus is not religious, guys. He's not religious at all. We are religious. We are religious people. I had a pastor. I asked him one day. I said, I was being sincere. I said, if you wasn't Baptist, what would you be? He said, ashamed. I'm like, okay, that's cute. That's funny and everything. But really, what would you be? I want to talk about doctrine, about Jesus and stuff. I'm going to tell you something. Brother Richard Baker asked me the day I was baptized. He asked me going out. He said, how many of you know Richard Baker? He's going home to be with the Lord. Dot Baker, Ricky Baker, Ricky and all that. Richard was our minister of music at that time. He walks up. I, I hayed this man's cows. I built his barn. All this stuff worked for him during the summer. He walks out and put his arm around me. He looked at me and said, I got one question for you. I said, okay. He said, no, you can't answer today, but when you get an answer, you'll come back. I said, okay. He said, uh, why are you Baptist? Well, I looked at him. And being a Brit, you know, we've got to have an answer for everything. If y'all hadn't figured that out by now, welcome to the neighborhood. But I looked at him and said, well, he went, I, 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 don't answer it, bro. He said, because you don't have an answer. I know your answer, but I want your answer. About seven years later, I came back in here. And I told him. I said, before I bring this message, I said, Brother Richard, I said, I want to answer your question. And he sat there and looked. I said, do you remember? And he shook his head like that. It was the greatest question ever asked to me. Because it made me get in the Word and dig to say, why do I believe what I believe? Is the Baptist way in line with Scripture? And I studied and studied. I studied the Methodist and the Catholic and the Presbyterian and all of them. And I came back and I told him, I said, I'm a Christian first. And I'm a Baptist second. And when the Baptists choose not to walk according to the Word, I won't be Baptist anymore. Some of you guys, I love you, but you're going to die a Baptist. But you ain't going to die a Christian. Because you're more hung up in your name being on the church roll here than in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I love you enough to tell you that. I may never get invited back here again. That'll be fine. But I'll leave here knowing, okay, they know God plant the seed. God bring a harvest out of that. Look at the last thing here. He says, get up and walk. Show them what you got. Show them who I am. And he did. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out into the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Here's the last thing. Worship. We need to have the Word preached, practiced, praised. We need to work in the church. 20% of us are doing 80% of the work. Get off your keister and get to work or either close your mouth. I tell that in every church I go into and, ooh, son, I start seeing nails start pulling out. Everybody starts squirming right there. Hey, we got a job to do and God's given us a platform to do it in. It's called the church house. To come together as the body of Christ and use your gifts for the Lord. That's worship. That's work 
and that's worship. You have been worshiping since you walked in this door today. Do you know it? We didn't have the worship a while ago when Brother Wendell was on the piano and I was leading the music. No. The worship started when you walked in and said, Hello, how you doing? Good to see you today. Worship started when your pastor stood up here and he welcomed you and told you all the fellowship things we were going to have today in the name of Jesus. Worship started when he said, let's pray. Worship started when I came up and said, turn in your hymnals and we sing. Worship is praise, prayer, preaching. That's worship. He's going to lead us in worship. And they would say, well, the worship's over now. We're going to have preaching. No, you're still in worship right now. Worship, true worship. Look at what it says. It said, we never saw anything like this. It says, what did they do? They were amazed and they glorified God. They glorified God. They give God the praise for what's going on. When was the last time you stopped? When was the last time you had in your service or at home or whatever where you just stopped and you started praising God? You started brainstorming, thinking of all the blessings that you have. What do we do most of the time? Oh, man, I hate my job. Oh, my goodness. I just, and we go down the list of all the negative things. Are you breathing right now? Praise God. You know why? Because He sustains you with His power. You're allowed to breathe right now because God is sustaining you. It's a blessing. Hey, are you saved? Okay, we got three. We're going to have a big invitation. Are you saved? Do you know you are a born again child of God? Raise your hand. I ain't trying to put you on the spot. Okay, good, good, great. Guess what? You take your last breath now, where are you going? Praise God. Praise God. Because before Jesus, you had no answer to that. You got the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Praise God. My foot hurts. Praise God. You still got one. You feeling it. My back's killing me. Praise God. You had to get up and go to work to do something. You got a job. You can put food on the table. You got a roof over your head. We got so much to be thankful for. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. You got a good church body right here. Praise God. You got a good preacher. So I've been told. Praise God. Praise God. Worship Him. Why? Because you were a palsy man at one time. Whether you realize that there was three or four, somebody, somebody was in the back room praying for you. There was a mom and daddy that got up and brought you to church, dragging you like they did me a lot of times. Praise God. Jesus saw their faith and said, You're forgiven. You got a friend that invited you in here today. You got a wife that invited you and said, I ain't cooking for you unless you come to church. You got him, came. Praise God. You got a man in your life. You got a real man that says, Hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Y'all get up right now and get dressed. We're going to church. Don't make me tell you again. And you got up and came to church. Now you're serving as a deacon. Now you're serving in Sunday school. Now you're singing up here. Why? Because mom and daddy brought you. You were palsy. You were paralyzed. You had everything against you. But Jesus saw their faith. And He said, your sins are forgiven. It's little things like that. We need the Word. We need the Word. Now guys, I'm going to close it with this. I'm, yeah, I'm going to close it with this right here. I, want, I think it's probably the most important part I want you to understand. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, it said, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. 
probably one of the biggest errors that Satan uses on us is pride. He shoots us right in the heart with pride. And this, this, this happened to me, and Satan liked to get me. I was so excited after I got saved. And I got my Bible, and I got me a notepad. Because I, I really want to know. I've got 5,000 questions. I'm coming by and seeing Brother Robin, and I'm asking these questions and stuff. And Brother Robin got up, he said, look in the book of Matthew. So that Sunday, I'm sitting about third or fourth back, and I got my notepad, Matthew chapter 5, and I'm taking notes. The next Sunday, he comes in, he says, look in the book of Mark. So I looked in Mark, and look in Corinthians, and I looked in Corinthians. About that fourth or fifth Sunday, I come in, man, I'm excited, and I sit down over there, I'm getting everything ready, and he said, look in the book of Hosea. Uh, oh, Hosea? Where in the tarnations is Hosea? And I start looking. You know what happened? As I'm looking, I can feel every eye in the church looking at me. You ever had that feeling? You're sitting there and everybody's looking at you. They ain't a soul paying me no mind. But I felt like every eye in the church is watching me, the preacher standing in the pulpit saying, will he get it? Will he get it? Will he get it? And you know what I did? Pride came in. Because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to know every book of the Bible. Brother Jeff, I'm supposed to have them forward and backward, you know. I'm in church. I should know every book of the Bible. I should know all the famous verses in the Bible. Yeah, why? Because I'm in church. I'm supposed to know this stuff. This is what the devil's playing in my head at this time. And so you know what I did? I closed that Bible up. I grabbed that notepad and I said, everybody's looking at me. They're going to know I can't find that book. I'm going to just act like I'm so intrigued with the preacher and what he's saying. I'm going to stay glued on him today and write notes. I'm telling you the truth. Now, you're talking about stupid. I was stupid. And I sat there and I wouldn't open my Bible. After a while, I quit bringing that Bible because I was so afraid he was going to get an Old Testament minor prophet that I wouldn't know. And instead of me looking in the index and having to admit I'm not that good a Christian, I just quit bringing the Bible. Now, I know that sounds stupid, but I'm a typical old Lincoln County, born and raised in Wellman. Baptist Church redneck and I got a feeling there's a few more like me in here you don't bring that Bible you put on an air like you know everything you got all the knowledge of the Bible wrapped up you won't change anything because now that's going to break protocol and you got this memorized and you look good like this but we change a program in the church we change this in the church we have a Bible study in the church and you're like you're going to run from that because now all of a sudden all your flaws are going to show up. Guess what? I got two years at New Orleans Seminary. I got two years at Andersonville Theological Seminary. I have a bachelor's degree in seminary. I've been studying and preaching for 30 years now. And guess what? I picked up the Bible yesterday afternoon. I'm reading in Romans chapter 3. And I went, son of a gun. I ain't never saw that. I done talked through that book three times. I'm like, I didn't see that. Well, Jeff, I didn't see it. I had to go in there and get my commentaries and come back, and I'm like, I'll be dog, how did I miss that? That's 30 years, guys. When you get to heaven, you're going to ask questions. But wouldn't it be better just to go ahead and start now? Wouldn't it? Don't let the devil play on your playground. We need a spirit of humility in the church to grow in the Word. Deacons, pastors, and everything. I love it. I go out and ask these folks. They'll, they'll say, you're a preacher? Yeah. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. Ain't no guarantee I'm going to answer them, but go for it. 
And I literally have had, I got folks that are dying and they're serious and they want to know how, where God is on things. And they'll ask me a question sometimes. I'm like, well, you know, that's good. I ain't ever thought about that. They look at me. I say, give me next week. I'll get back with you. And I go home. I write it down. I go home. I get my commentaries out and I get the Bible and I start. And I'm like, oh, son of a gun. Never saw that. And I write it down. I take it back into them. I said, hey, I got your answer. Really? Yeah, it took a while. We don't have every answer to things. Guys, here's the point. Come with humility. Get into the Word. When you learn it, go out and work it and give Jesus the praise. Amen. I don't know where you are today. I'm going to give two choices, though. You may be like me, 21. The voice of God has spoken to you. And you're a church member. I was baptized twice. Nine years old and 14 years old. But I wasn't saved, guys. You may be the same testimony. You're sitting here today. You play in church. You can fool me. You can fool the pastor. You can fool everybody. You can fool your family. But you can't fool God. I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, oh my goodness, it's time for a change. It's time for the Holy Spirit to get a hold of you and make a change. You need to repent and you need to come to Jesus. And Brother Jeff's going to be waiting on you. Now, maybe you're one of those like that over here. You done put the Bible down because of pride, because of arrogance. I don't want what people to think I'm inadequate. You are, we're all inadequate. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You need to rededicate your life. You need to re repent of that and say, okay, I'm going to start growing in the Word. I'm going to start getting more involved in this church. I'm going to get active. But you need to come closer to Jesus, whatever you're dealing with. You need to do it. I'm going to ask Brother Jeff, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Brother Jeff to come, Brother Wendell to come. He's just going to play, and you take it from there. Okay, brother? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me bring your word today. Father, thank you for this homecoming of all these years. I think I heard him say 114 a while ago. Folks getting saved, getting baptized, growing in the word, going out into the mission field, Lord. Thank you for that, Father. Most of all, thank you for calling us out of sin into life, Lord. It's all about you if we'll just say yes. Father, I pray if there's one lost here today, what a great time at homecoming, Father, to stand up and say, I make Jesus Lord of my life. I give him my life, Lord. Or I want to get reacquainted with him. Father, whatever it is, we pray you have liberty in your house to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rob. If you will, please stand for a hymn of invitation. If you will, just bow your head and close your eyes. Wendell's going to be playing. Brother Robbie and I are going to be down here. And if you need to speak to the Lord today, you come. If the Lord's called you for salvation, you come. If you need to repent, you come. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you, you follow Him. You'll never be sorry that you were obedient to Almighty God. You come right now. Don't let the Satan, don't let pride keep you away from the love of the Lord right now. Satan will be on you right beside you, whispering in your ear. 
He's not talking about you. He's talking about somebody else. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, yeah, that's you, you need to follow Him. Don't listen to the liar. You follow the one who is the truth. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you today, whatever He's put in your heart, you obey Him. You follow Him. Amen. If you will, have a seat for just a moment. Miss Ashley, if you will, please come. Last Sunday evening, Miss Ashley asked to speak with me after the service. And she came and she says, I need to know Jesus. He's been speaking to me for about a month now. She said every time that you, you preach or every song that we sing, she could feel it in her heart. So last Sunday evening, she accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. And she said she wanted to be baptized and she wanted to be a member of Wellman Baptist Church. So what is the will of the church in this matter? There's a motion and there's a second. Praise the Lord for that. All in favor of accepting Miss Ashley for baptism and for, as a member of Wellman Baptist Church, please say amen. amen. And all opposed by the same sign. Praise the Lord. Miss Ashley, bless you. We appreciate you and we're so excited for you today. Uh, we have the baptismal set up. She said she wanted to be baptized today. So we're going to go into a time of baptism now. Uh, so Brother Robbie's going to come in just a moment and sing another song while we prepare for that. But before we do, I have a certificate of baptism that I'm going to present to Miss Ashley. Now I've got to get my glasses on because I can't see it to read it, okay? <laughs> and it just says this. This certifies that Ashley Geyer, and I said that right, okay, having professed faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord on July the 17th, 2022, was baptized on July the 24th here at Wellman Baptist Church, and we have signed that for you, and we want to give that to you. So Bridget wants to get a picture of us, so if you will, just hold that right there. All right. So we're going to go into the back now and get ready for our, the baptismal service, and Brother Rob's going to take over and sing us the song. All right. <clears throat> I about lost my voice with you guys this morning, but it's been fun to be with you. Y'all just sit back and relax. We're going to have a good time while we're waiting on them. This is an old Governor Jimmy Davis song that we just took and put on steroids, okay? This plane I'm riding, they say it's leaving for a place where you never die. And the pilot will be my Jesus To my mansion up in the sky Now don't be grieving Because I'm leaving And don't cry when I say goodbye There'll be no weeping To where I'm going To my mansion up in the sky This plane I'm riding Will be returning some sweet day, Lord, by and by. So get ready to go with Jesus to my mansion up in the sky. Now don't be grieving 
because I'm leaving and don't cry when I say goodbye there'll be no weeping to where I'm going to my mansion up in the sky My journey with Jesus will end my sorrow, heal my afflictions, and no more I'll cry. I'll be rejoicing while I'm going to my mansion up in the sky. Now don't be grieving because I'm leaving, and don't cry when I say goodbye. There'll be no weeping to where I'm going. To my mansion up in the sky, there'll be no weaving to where I'm going. To my mansion up in the sky. All right. <clears throat> We're not ready, huh? Okay. Give me, uh, give me not that one. Uh, give me number seven. I wrote this for my wife after she told me a few things. People may say I'm strange. They may think I'm a little crazy by the way I walk. And the way I talk, but that's all right with me. Oh, oh, I keep on marching forward with my head held way up high. Cause I know the day is coming when my Redeemer draweth nigh. Now I am who I am because He is who He is. Yeah, He's a giver of life. And Redeemer of my soul, oh, I am who I am, because He is who He is. He's Jesus, my Savior, and He's the one who made me whole. Now, this is my testimony before Jesus, after Jesus. Now, there was a time. When I thought like all the rest Like a Pharisee or Sadducee I would strive for righteousness Oh, but Jesus came along And He changed what was inside He took this old heart of mine And He gave me a new life Now I am who I am because He is who He is. Yeah, He's a giver of life and redeemer of my soul. Oh, I am who I am because He is who He is. He's Jesus, my Savior, and He's the one who made me whole. Well, He's Jesus, my Savior, and He's the one who made me whole He made me whole He made me whole oh. Praise God
Amen. Thank you, Brother Rob. I appreciate you so much. Uh, it's a great day when we can witness the baptism of a believer. Someone makes a profession of, of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We get to join in with them in their joy and in their salvation uh, by watching or participating in their baptismal service. So Ashley comes. Miss Ashley, if you will, join me. Miss Ashley, upon your profession of faith as Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Him in baptism and raised to new life in Christ. Amen. Are you okay? Okay, there you go. Amen. All right, well, folks, we're about to conclude the service here, and we've got lunch prepared in the fellowship hall. So everyone, <laughs> Braxton says he's ready, all right? <laughs> so we're, we're uh, uh, going to have a blessing here, and all of our visitors and all of those who are, uh, let's just say, retirement age, uh, you go first, all right? We'd love to have you go first in line. All of those members of our church, if you will, give them preference and allow them to go through first. Uh, Miss Marilyn, you're retired, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I thought so. All right, so you, you know, you're first, all right? One of the, <laughs> let's, uh, let's all stand together and we'll have a word of prayer to be dismissed and, who, and, and uh, I also want to be blessing the food as well. So let's see. Um, Brother Aaron, would you mind dismissing us and also blessing the meal, brother?